trying to do with this series is pass on to you as accurately as possible something that we were taught from a mentor of ours, kind of a mentor from a distance. Um, and his name is Andy Stanley, but the information is so good. We're just trying to pass it on to you as accurately as we can, the way it was taught to us. It is great information. And as we wrap up this series, what we have been talking about is losing your religion. As we talk about religion, we understand there can be some emotional pushback from that um, because, you know, we don't talk about religion with our family. If your family is a different uh, denomination or different religion, we just don't talk about those things because it can be a little explosive. And and because of some of our feelings attached to religion, uh, maybe some of your experiences you've had or some of your understandings of it, maybe you have an emotional reaction too, and you have a tendency maybe to push back a little bit when that topic comes up. And sometimes our emotional reactions to religion make things bigger than they actually are, and it kind of uh, magnifies things that really aren't that big or that big of a deal. But as we put it under the magnifying glass of religion and our perspective on religion, it becomes bigger, becomes more powerful, really, than probably it should, our, our emotional reaction to it anyway. You know, Christianity does have some exclusive claims, um, and, but we do also have some many things in common with other religions and other teachings, and last week we even talked about some of those, and C.S. Lewis summarized some of these things down to eight different laws, and he said these are kind of some biblical religious laws, not biblical would be the wrong word, but religious laws that, that all religions, including Christianity, have in common. Um, and religion basically says, here are some laws that you have to follow, that God wants you to follow. And then we all find ourselves, as we talked about last week, disobeying these laws. And we, we all will agree that these are things we should do. But then we also all agree that we don't do them. <laughs> and we're not good at keeping those laws. And so that then leaves us in a predicament. Um, when we don't keep those laws, when we fail at keeping those laws, then we find ourselves at odds with God. And that's a problem. And so the second thing religion does, the first thing it does, it says, here are the rules you keep. The second thing it does, it says, you have failed at keeping them. And so have I. And that's what religion reminds us of, that we've fallen short of those standards. And so now the real question comes up. The real question then we talked about last week is, what do we do about that? If the religion shows us that we have failed, and that failure has put us at odds with God. What do we do with that? And here's what we said last week. We looked at the Christian answer to that, and that is that God sent his son, and he came here to this world to die for us. Jesus came to be the Savior for the whole world, everybody, any religion. Now, this is the great divide that religion brings to us. There's us. And there's God, and there's all of this in the middle, that great divide. And Christianity says we believe that God has sent us a Savior to bridge that gap. But all other religions say this, that the answer is trying harder. The answer is to do better. We, we ended last week by saying this statement. We said that the law is powerless to save. That, that any religious law, it's powerless to, to patch up the relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. 
And, and what the law cannot do, Christ did. Um, so the, the problem with that statement, the problem is if you're not a believing, believer or even if you are a believer, um, emotionally that message may seem uh, somewhat unfair. Uh, and this is what I mean by that. What about, you may be thinking, what about the people who have never heard about the gospel? What about the people who've never heard about Christ? What about people that were raised in a home that, that didn't talk about God or, or Christ or anything like that? Was you know not a religious home whatsoever, not a Christian home? And this message of, of Christ dying for you, it may be extremely uncomfortable for you. Someone dying for your sins. Um, we emotionally conclude that since it's, or we may emotionally conclude that since it's unfair, or it seems to be unfair and, and uncomfortable, then it's therefore untrue. And see, unfair plus uncomfortable equals untrue. And that, that can be the emotional re- response or reaction. And, and we get that. So I want you to think about this for a moment, though. In this world, we have experienced or we do experience things that are, are completely unfair and, and make us very uncomfortable, but they are, in fact, true. Uh, for example, today in Arkansas alone, there are somewhere around 4,000 kids in foster care. That is a heartbreakingly unfair statistic, but it is a true statistic. And this is what I know about each person here this morning, and I may not know you personally, and I haven't been stalking you on Facebook, but this is what I know about you. You have experienced something in your life, or you are currently experiencing something in your life that is unfair, but that is very true. Um, for you, it, it may have been a relationship. Uh, you know that we have this saying that says, "All is fair in love and war," but it doesn't feel real fair, does it? Because you may have given your heart to someone and they broke it, and it's not fair, but it is real, and it's real painful at times. And maybe for you, a tragedy has struck your family, and you or someone you love is way too young to have cancer, and it's not fair. And it doesn't change the diagnosis, though. In this life, we will experience things that are extremely unfair and uncomfortable, but they're still true. And Harley, we push back against this because we don't want things that seem unfair or uncomfortable to be true, but they do exist. Right. So in your life, if you allow your thinking, and if I allow my thinking to follow this reasoning, if it's unfair, it must be untrue. Or if I think, if it's uncomfortable, or if it brings me discomfort, then it must be untrue. If I allow this thinking to be dominant, then I am actually abandoning rational thinking and, I, and here's why, and, and because I'm choosing to view the world through a lens that I choose, whether it, whether it is true or not, I'm abandoning rationality. And this is a big deal because we think this about God. We think, well, God, God is a God of love, and, and he's 
a God who is good. So somehow I expect that God would come up with a system that is fair as I judge fairness and a system that is comfortable because God is a God of love. Certainly he would come up with such a system. And the fact that Christianity appears to be so narrow that it appears that maybe it leaves so many people out and, and that maybe you've heard other people talking and that were Christians and they talk so so badly about other religions and 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 things that maybe they say or do are not politically correct and so therefore we have come to say well if that's the case then it must not be true because God is good and God is a God of love so certainly he would create a system that is fair as I define fair and that is more comfortable. And we get hung up because we don't fully, I believe, under, understand or realize the impact that sin has on the world. Every single person, myself included, we have all fallen short. But now because we have fallen short and fallen short so many times, we see that as normal. And so we go home at night and we lock our doors at, at our house, right? Because we understand we live in a fallen world. And so it's just normal for us to lock our doors. And when we leave, if you're in a parking lot in Little Rock, you, what do you do in your car? You, you're going to lock your door. You're gonna, if, if you have something valuable, in the, you're going to kind of cover it up or put it in the trunk, right? Why? Because we understand we live in a fallen world. And so that is normal to us. Being in a place where there's crime and things like that, it's just normal. And we have a feeling that, well, it's just, it's not that bad. It's normal. We just have to lock our doors. We lock our cars. The world is just a little bit broken. This is normal for us. But what if, what if actually the world, what if it's broken more than we actually realize? I mean, every once in a while we get a glimpse of that. Maybe you're watching the news and you hear a news story about maybe a child being kidnapped and that same child being abused and raped and just, just tortured. And we see that. And we say, that is so horrendous that I can't understand that. I can't conceive that amount of evil. Every once in a while we get a glimpse of how horrible the world is and how really ultra-broken it is. But just maybe. Maybe not only is the world more broken than we realize, but I, I'm going to suggest to you something. Maybe we are more broken than we realize. And because we have missed God's standard, we consider that as normal until we hear a news story like that. And then we say, wow, the world really is messed up. But what if it's really more messed up than we understand, but it's all the time? I'm going to make another suggestion here. I'm going to suggest to you that the same evil that resides inside of that person that you may hear on the news, the same selfishness that resides in his heart, I, I'm going to suggest that is probably 
that's probably the same selfishness that resides in my heart too, ultimately. You know, we say that, that we are better than that, but it's a sign of a broken world. And we want God to give a, a fair and a comfortable solution to a deeply broken world. But, but what if all the world religions were right in this aspect, that there is a God and that he has a standard and that we have all fallen short? And what if what, what is inside horribly evil persons at the root of that evil, what if that is also in our hearts? And we don't have to look very far to see it. You know, we don't like to call sin, sin, because it makes us a little uncomfortable. And we, we'll call it a mistake. You know, a mistake is when I uh, add or subtract wrong, when I make a mistake in my checkbook. But an affair is not a mistake. If world religions are correct, then the last thing that, that we want is a fair system. Because a fair system, it says this. It says, you messed up and you pay. That, that's where we get our, our justice system from. Where do, you, where do you think it came from? It come from God. And justice says, you messed up and you pay. What, what if we have really fallen short? What if we are really messed up? Do we really want a fair system that says, you messed up and you pay? The answer is no. We don't want fairness. We want grace and mercy, and we want forgiveness. We, we could care less if it's comfortable, Harley, but we want mercy. Yeah, no doubt. If you realize you have a health problem, a serious, serious health problem, you go to the doctor and he says, if we're, if we're going to save your life, we're going to have to do this procedure. This is going to have to be done if we want to save you. Now, if that is the information you get, then we do not come back to the doctor and say, well, is this going to be comfortable? That's not what we ask. Instead, we ask, is this going to be effective? Is this going to be effective? And we have this feeling about God that the world is just a little bit broken, so maybe God just can bandage it up and kiss us on the cheek, and it's going to fix the world. But what if the world is more broken than we realize? What if I am more broken than I realize? Because inside of my heart lies the very same lust and, and fear and anger and hate and insecurity that is inside of everybody else. Perhaps this world is more broken than I want to admit. Perhaps because it is more broken than I want to admit, perhaps more drastic measures have to be taken than I have admitted before. And these are measures that are not just random. These are specific measures that are going to make me right with God. And it's not a question of fairness, because it is not fair. But here's the thing. It's not fair on purpose. It's not comfortable. But, but it's not comfortable on purpose. Last week we said, when we sin, something dies. And let's 
focus that thought from where we went last week with it to this. Because we have sinned, now something has to die. Someone has to die. And ultimately, either I am going to pay the price for that, or I'm going to allow God to do what he did, something that was unfair and uncomfortable. God decided that I would not have to pay the price for that myself, but that he would do it for me. He said, that will be on me. And he put it, he put it on his son. Is that fair? No. Is that comfortable? No. But it's absolutely true. You know, we're going to look at a, a passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 5 this morning. And, and listen to this, this passage through the lens of, of fairness and comfortable. Um, Romans chapter 5, we're going to start in, in verse 6. The verse will be up here on the screen. It says, When we were utterly helpless... Why were we helpless? Because until Jesus Christ came on the scene, all we had was the laws. And all, as we talked about last week, all the law can do is condemn and prove us to be guilty. We look in the law like a mirror and it shows that we're messed up, that we've fallen short. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. There's that word again, sinners. And that's us. That's you. That's me. And the Bible says, God says that you're a sinner. And, and it may not be comfortable and you may not like it and we can call it what we want, but God says that we're sinners. And we at times don't, don't think we are because we compare ourselves to the Charles Mansons of the world. And when we say, you know, we're not that. But the Bible says that we have missed the mark, that God's standard is perfection, and whether we miss it by an inch or a mile, we've fallen short. But we, we don't agree with that sometimes because we measure ourselves against the wrong standard. And we don't think that we're all that bad. And if we don't think we're all that bad, then... Who needs anyone to save them? Who needs Jesus? Because it's all going to work out in the end, right? Paul says that God sent his son to die for sinners. And you say, but I don't act bad. I'm, I'm a pretty good person, right? But it's not even about how you act. It's, it's much deeper than that. It's about who you are. And, and compared to God, we are all ungodly. In verse 7, Paul continues, he says, Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. And, you know, that's a true statement, right? Most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Paul says, you may find someone that would be willing to die for someone that's really good, maybe a family member, someone they really love. But Harley, God did much more than that. Absolutely. Verse 8 says this, But God showed his great love for us, and that's as compared to the kind of love that I can generate or have. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He's saying you might die for a good person, but Christ didn't die for good people. He died for sinners. Now, was that fair? 
it wasn't fair for him. Was it comfortable? It wasn't comfortable for him. Was it true? Yes. Even though it was unfair and uncomfortable, it is absolutely true. And Christianity, that's the message. It's a message that says God decided not to be fair, to go way beyond fair. That God decided not to create a comfortable system because there's no comfortable fix for what is broken in our world. And that includes me. There's no comfortable fix for me. It is impossible. There had to be a death. Someone, someone had to pay. And here's what God decided. God decided to send his son to do the uncomfortable thing, the unfair thing in order to address a broken, hurting, unfair, uncomfortable world. And to do it, he went way, way, way beyond fair. And he extended his grace and his mercy and more importantly, his forgiveness. Our bottom line this morning says this. It's a long one. <laughs> You'll have to get it off of the recording because this is too long to write down. But here's our bottom line. The message of Christianity is the fairest and it's the most comfortable system possible in an unfair, uncomfortable, broken world. Because the message is this. Everyone is welcome. Everyone gets in the same way. And everyone can meet God's requirement. Everyone's welcome. Anyone, any culture, any country, any race, any religious background, everyone is welcome. And everyone gets in the same way. It's, it's not a matter of following the laws. It's not a matter of of doing certain things. It's only through Jesus. And I know for some of us this is a difficult part because we think that's what makes Christianity so narrow and that's what makes it so exclusive. But God predicted that. He understood that. In fact, he called it the narrow road. He made it narrow. And you might say, I, I like the God part, but I just, this whole Jesus thing, I just, I don't like the Jesus part. But here's the question. The question is not, does it make you uncomfortable that that's what happened? The question is, is it true? And it may not be fair the way that we measure fairness. But the fact is, God has invited everyone and everyone gets in the very same way there's no different rules for me than they are for you there's no different rules for uh for jewish people than they are for us everyone gets in the same way it's not keeping certain laws it's not um it's not doing certain things or certain behavior it's it's everyone gets in the same way sometimes we have this thinking though that says well that may be good for you harley but but that you don't know what I've done. I mean, my list of sins is too great, too much. I, I'm too late to get in on this. Maybe you have the feeling that you've done so many things that, that you have to do something to make up for it, to be better. To be, that it may be okay for you, Harley, but I've got 
to clean myself up before I can get to God. And you know what that is? That is the system of every other religion out there. It's a religion that says you have to do better. You have to be better. You have to act better. You have to clean yourself up and change. You somehow have to good your way to God. But that's not what we're saying. What is better than that? To try, trying to be better, trying to good our way to God. What is better than that? Grace is better than that. Mercy is better than that. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is better than that. And our God is better than that. Everyone can meet his requirement. And here's the requirement. Not only has he invited everyone, and not only can does everyone get in the same way, everyone can meet that requirement. And here it is. It's faith, which simply is this. It's just believing that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you, and he did for me. What Christ did when he died on the cross and three days later rose again, he did that for you and for me. Because somebody sinned, me, someone had to die, him. It's believing that what he has done, he's, he's done it for me. And I'm going to trust him. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus as the full payment for my sin. I can't add anything to it. I can't try to be better to earn that from him. He has given that to me even though while he was dying, I'm a sinner. Everyone is welcome to embrace that. It is an unfair uncomfortable world that we live in. It's broken. And that means that means that this system that God has created is the most fair and the most comfortable that it can get. It was extremely unfair to him. It was extremely uncomfortable for him, but he did that for us, for you. He did it for me. He did that on your behalf because he loves you. This morning, if you have never taken the step to say that I'm going to place my faith and trust in him, I've been trying to live better. I've been trying to be better. I've been trying to do better. But I realize I'm broken and I can't be better enough. I can't be good enough. Religion says you be good for an extended amount of time, for an unknown amount of time. And you have to be good to a point and a level that we're not sure how good we have to be. But religion says just keep, keep doing it, keep trying. But Jesus said you can't meet that standard and you never will. That's why I died for you. If you've never done that this morning, you can by just simply saying, I, I believe that, Jesus. I believe that you died for me. When you died on the cross, that was for me because I am broken. 
And because he died on the cross for you, here's what he offers you instead. Instead of fairness, he chose unfairness for himself. And he offers you instead grace. He offers you mercy and he offers you forgiveness. And that's exactly what I needed. And if that's what you need this morning, you just simply have to say that to him in your heart. Jesus, you died on the cross for me. And I needed it. When you rose three days later and defeated death, you defeated death for me. As we place our faith in Jesus, what we're really doing is saying, Jesus, I choose to follow you. When you died on the cross, that was a payment that was made. You paid the price for me. And in paying the price, that means he has purchased, bought your life and he has bought and purchased my life and I'm admitting that to him saying yes that is the case and because I'm admitting that to him I am giving him my life it now belongs to him and that's why I can call myself a Christ follower because I'm following Jesus he bought me he purchased me this morning for the first time are you believing that Jesus died for you Three days later, he rose again. And yes, it's unfair. And yes, it was uncomfortable. But he took that upon himself and now offers it to you. If you are on the back of your connection card, there's a place for you to mark. And it just simply says on the back, it says, for the first time, I'm really choosing to become a Christ follower. I'm giving my life to Jesus because he died as a sacrifice for my sins so I can be his forever. And if you're doing that this morning, just mark that little circle on the back of your connection card. And then I want to ask you this. Please pick this up at Guest Connections. There are several of these. They look the same. But you need the one that across the middle says first steps right there. That's the one you need. And it talks about your first steps in following Jesus. I want you to take that this morning with you. You need that this morning to get a good start at following him. Now, this is something we can all do. If you choose to take this step with us, on the back of your connection card, if you circle the letter A, here's what you're saying today. You're saying, I I am going to do my best to every single day for the rest of my life to just put my confidence in Jesus as my Savior. Just to remember, He died for me, and my confidence is in Him. It is not in how good I can be today. My confidence is in Jesus. And here's the second thing, the letter B. It says this, I'm going to wrestle with this topic. I'm going to think about it and talk to God about it. And I'm going to bring it in and internalize it this week. I'm going to wrestle with it. Not the question of, is this a fair way to do it? And not the question of, is this comfortable? Does this make me comfortable? Do the claims of Jesus make me comfortable? That's not the question you're going to wrestle with. Instead, you're going to wrestle with this. Is this true? Is it true? That while I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. Is that true? Is it true that what the law was powerless to do, as we talked about two weeks ago, what the law was powerless to do, it couldn't save me. What the law was powerless to do, Jesus did for me. Is that true? And this week, you're just simply going to wrestle with that. If If you will do that. I'm not saying you believe it. I'm just saying, will you wrestle with that? Not is it fair or comfortable. Is this true? And if you will wrestle with that, 
Not allowing yourself to be fooled by the fairness issue. Not allowing yourself to be, to, to be off track by the issue of, is it comfortable for me? What the claims of Christ say, does that make me comfortable? If we can separate those emotions and concentrate on, is this true? Then perhaps, perhaps you'll discover the love and the grace and the mercy, the compassion, the forgiveness that God has to offer you. And because of that, he invites you to call him Father. And yes, it might be unfair. It's true, it might be uncomfortable. But the reality is, it's true. It's true. The band is going to make their way to the front. We're going to sing three songs together. I'm going to ask that maybe these words, one of the songs is brand new. We haven't done it before. I'm just going to ask, maybe let the words of these songs echo maybe what your heart is feeling. And if it's not, if your heart is not there yet for where the words are saying and what we're going to be singing, just think about that and, and, and let your mind think about those words and let your mind think about this, that Jesus took upon himself what was unfair and Jesus took upon himself what was uncomfortable and he did that for you and he did that for me so that we could connect with God our Father and so that we could reach out to him and call him Father. Let's pray. God, in your grace and God, in your mercy, I'm asking that you would begin and continue the process of taking down some of the defenses that we have built up over time. God, when we hear news this week or we read of news this week, may we remember that this world is more broken than we have admitted that we ourselves are more broken too, and, and that we live in an unfair, a broken, uncomfortable world. But into this world, God, you sent your grace and you sent your mercy to do something that was unfair to you, that was uncomfortable to you. And you did this so that you could extend to us forgiveness. God, for those who are not yet ready to follow you, Will you, in your amazing way, just simply break through and begin to give them the freedom to believe? God, we offer these songs to you. We are so grateful that you died on the cross for us. And three days later, you rose again. Therefore, it is in your name, Jesus, that we can pray. Amen.